0: Our scripture text for today comes from Luke chapter 9, verses 28 through 36. Let us listen to God's word to us. Now about eight days after these sayings, Jesus took with him Peter and John and James and went up on the mountain to pray. And while he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Suddenly they saw two men, Moses and Elijah, talking to them. Not knowing what he said. While he was saying this, a cloud came and overshadowed them, and they were terrified as they entered the cloud. Then from the cloud came a voice that said, This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. When the voice had spoken, Jesus was found alone, and they kept silent. And in those days told no one any of the things they had seen. This morning is Transfiguration Sunday, a day where we remember this story, when Jesus' appearance was transfigured while he was praying with his disciples. This story appears in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all with slight differences. For those of you who like to follow along in your Bibles, we're going to be taking a close look at a few of these verses, and even a few of these words, because they'll help make sense of some things. To start this story from the beginning, the first sentence is in reference to something we didn't hear. Verse 28 starts about eight days after these sayings. Which sayings? Well, eight days after Jesus told his disciples that he was going to be killed and on the third day raised from the dead, after he had told them that anyone who wants to save their own life will lose it, but those who lose their lives for Jesus' sake, who pick up their cross and follow him, their lives will be saved and they will see the kingdom of God. Eight days after Jesus has told his disciples these things, he goes up to the mountain to pray with three of his closest friends, Peter, James, and John. And Jesus begins to pray and something happens. Luke tells us that the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. For those of you who've ever seen the movie Twilight, perhaps it's a little something like that, where he goes into the sunlight and his face begins to sparkle. For those of you who haven't seen the movie, you're not missing much. (laughs) (laughs) Nevertheless, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became dazzling white. Jesus was transfigured. Well, sort of. Notice what changes about Jesus in this moment. The appearance of his face changes. His clothes become dazzling white. But Jesus himself doesn't change. Only his appearance is transformed. And this change happens while he's praying. That's no accident. See, most of the time in Scripture, Jesus prays alone. You can find littered throughout the Gospels these little sentences that Jesus went alone to pray. He sneaks away in the early morning and he prays by himself and no one sees him. (laughs) Jesus does on occasion talk to God in front of people. He asks God to bless the bread and the fish before he feeds 4,000. He speaks to God when he calls Lazarus out of the tomb. But he always makes it clear that he is speaking to God For the sake of those who are listening. But even when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane with his disciples to pray, he leaves them behind to pray alone. But here, here Jesus is praying, he is speaking quietly to God, and his disciples get to watch. When Jesus speaks to God, when he prays, he is transfigured. The appearance of his face is transformed. His clothes become dazzling white. Jesus looks different when he prays. My first inclination when I read this text was that this is Jesus' Clark Kent moment. You know Clark Kent, of course, mild-mannered reporter. But when danger strikes, he runs to a phone booth, tears off his suit and tie, and beneath it, Superman bellowing cape with a big S on his chest. Clark Kent is actually a superhero. He can actually fly. But during the day, he he pretends to be a regular guy. Do you think Jesus is like Clark Kent? Mild-mannered reporter during the day, but then he bursts out? Does Jesus pretend to be a human like all of us? Pretend to struggle with temptation? Just pretend until he's in private. Then he starts glowing and upgrades his wardrobe. There's a certain appeal to that. But I don't think that's what happened. What is happening here is actually more profound. It's more radical because Jesus' appearance changed, but he is still exactly who he always was. Jesus is a humble carpenter's son, He does not pretend to be human. He is human. He does not pretend to be poor. He is poor. There's this famous hymn in Paul's letter to the Philippians where he says that Christ emptied himself and was born in human form. He emptied himself of what? Of his godly power. When Jesus performed a miracle, he asked the Spirit of God to work, just like we have to do. Jesus is constantly, constantly pointing to his Father. He isn't seeking to glorify himself. He emptied himself of his glory, and he's constantly pointing to his Father's glory. So in this passage where Jesus is transfigured, it's not like he's been hiding his glory and finally he's letting his disciples in on it. He's actually who he always appears to be. A man declaring that the kingdom of God has drawn near and people should follow him to get to his Father in heaven. This story is not about his glory. It's about his fathers. When Jesus is transfigured, his face changes. Do you remember the story about Moses When he goes up to the mountain to receive his Ten Commandments from God, and God lets Moses see his face, and God lets him get a glimpse of his glory, and Moses comes back down the mountain, and his face is shining. It has been transfigured because he was in God's presence. It's the same for Jesus. When Jesus prays, he is not transfigured because something inside of him has been revealed. He is transfigured because he has been in the presence of his Father. He is transfigured because he is reflecting his Father's glory. This might sound totally crazy, but it really isn't. I'm willing to bet you've seen someone transfigured, too. Picture you've had the worst day. I mean... The worst day. How many people is it possible to have yell at you for something you didn't do? How many things can go wrong in the same day? How far behind can you get on what's needed done in one day? Notice I said picture, not imagine. Because I'm pretty sure you've all had days like this. If it could go wrong, it did. You can feel the stress like a vice grip on your shoulders. You can hear the voices pounding in your head. Your face is flushed. You get to your house. You step inside. You shut the door and take a deep breath. Home. You felt this, right? You're transfigured. You are the same person, you still had a terrible day, but at home something changes. Your shoulders relax a little, the voice is quiet, you loosen the tie or put on your favorite music or whatever you do because you're home. When Jesus prays, he's transfigured because he's home. When Jesus prays, he is in the presence of his Father in heaven. When Jesus prays, he seeks his Father's face and sees it. In Scripture, it's called the throne room of God. Jesus is in God's presence, in God's throne room, basking in the fullness of that love and mercy, justice and grace. So when Jesus prays, his face is actually radiating God's glory. Even his clothes are glowing white. That word white carries a little baggage you might not have been expecting. This word is used to describe only two things in the Bible. Angels, robes, and how Jesus looks in this story. The word is only used in these two cases except for one other place, in the book of Revelation. An angel in the book of Revelation is speaking to a church, and the angel says, "'For you say, I am rich, I have prospered, and I need nothing.'" You do not realize that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Therefore, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire, so that you may be rich and white robes to clothe you and to keep the shame of nakedness from being seen. The church that this angel is speaking to thinks it doesn't need anything from anyone. They've got it all together. What the church doesn't realize is that in God's eyes, they are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. They are storing up treasures here on earth, and because of it, they don't see what they're missing. They don't see the amazing character of what God is offering to them. They don't understand what a relationship with God looks like. It's bigger than any other hope, brighter than any other light, stronger than any other source of strength. Its glory will literally transfigure you. So the angel says, Buy from me gold refined by fire that you might be rich and white robes to clothe you. The thing that transfigured Jesus on top of that mountain, the thing that made his face shine and turned his clothes into what angels wear, it was the presence of God. And the reason Jesus came to earth was so that we might have access to the presence of God. We too can be transfigured. The angel in Revelation says that we can have these clothes of dazzling white. But how? How do we partake in this? Well, in our story, Peter tried to. He cried out to Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three dwellings, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. Peter wants to stay. He wants to take this moment and make it permanent. He wants to buy some wood and build three houses. Now look at this. Peter is quite literally trying to put Jesus in a box. He is saying, this is amazing. I'm going to go buy some stuff and I'll build a dwelling for you to live in and we can stay right here. He wants to hold on to this miracle and not let it go. Our story is Peter's reaction He sees it and wants to hold on to it. It's how we respond to the great things that happen in life. We want to hold on to them. We want to freeze time and hold that moment. We take pictures of them. We tell the stories. We try to recreate them. But when Peter, when Peter tries to hold on to this moment, a cloud covers the sun and a voice comes out from it. This is my son, my chosen. Listen to him. God is speaking from heaven to Peter, James, and John to let them know they've missed the point. Listen to him, the voice says. But Jesus hasn't said anything in this entire story. Which is why it's important that the story started eight days after these sayings. God reminds Peter, James, and John to listen to Jesus when he says that he will die and be raised from the dead. Listen to Jesus who told you, if you want to save your life, you must lose it. When the angel spoke to that church in Revelation, it told them that they had settled. They were happy with what they had. They were just going to try to hold on to it, hold on to their youth, their success, their wealth, their happiness, They were content to live in the glory that the world had to offer them. Compared to the glory that God has to offer, that's nothing. The angel reminds them that if they settle for the glory of this world, they are settling for less than the glory of God. Peter, James, and John get a glimpse of that glory When they see Jesus transfigured, his face is glowing with the glory of God. His robes are white like lightning. He is talking with two men who died hundreds of years before. This is the amazing nature of God's glory, which is what makes this story confusing. Peter isn't wanting to hold on to the world's glory like the church in Revelation. He is seeing the glory of God, and that's what he wants. He wants the right thing. But the reason God speaks to them is because they don't understand how Christian glory works. God reminds Peter, James, and John that what matters is not holding on to it. What matters is that Jesus is on his way to die. Here's the thing about Christians and glory. It's not about us it's not about us jesus seeks to glorify his father in this story he's getting ready to walk toward jerusalem where he knows he's going to die so that he can experience god's glory he lives his life seeking the glory of other people that's how christians live. We are transfigured by God's glory when we follow Jesus in his path of self-sacrifice. For now, that means life will be hard because the path takes a lot of sacrifice. But Jesus set this pattern when he gave up his own glory to come to earth. It's only when he prays that he is clothed in dazzling white. But that robe of white is not his yet it's a rental that moment of glory is a gift from god a taste of what's coming but we won't see jesus in those robes of white again until we see him resurrected from the dead as christians we have these clark kent moments where we leave our normal lives and something bigger happens. We have moments where we are touched by God and we experience God's glory in a powerful way. We do something by the power of the Holy Spirit, but those are just moments. The cape is just a rental. Because those moments are about showing God's glory so that the world can know who he is and what he's doing. God touches us for a purpose, for a time, and we glow in that glory. We want to cling to it, but we can't. Because the cape is just a rental. We can't hide from the hard realities of the world, and we're not supposed to. We are to carry the good news of God into them, carrying those moments of glory in our hearts. And we also carry the promise that while that robe of white is a rental for now, one day it will be a gift. It will be ours for eternity. Let us pray. Lord, we know that there are these powerful moments where your spirit guides us and touches us and leads us. And we know that this glory is only yours. Might we reflect your glory to this world, to our friends, to our families. And might we remember that we can't hold on to those powerful moments in our lives, but that we take them with us, that we tell others about them, that we testify to who you are and trust that those dazzling white robes are waiting for us in eternity with you. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.